0: Let us pray. Gracious Mm -hmm. loving God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for this chance to come before you. We give you thanks for the gift of your word. We give you thanks for the gift of a saviour. God guide us, that we may faithful interpreters of you. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. Um, good afternoon. I usually say good evening. It is not good afternoon, friends, um, and welcome uh, to another edition of Scripture Talk. Yeah, we're not at our normal time.
1: Uh, yeah, the blaring sun. Yeah, the blaring sun. Well, I mean 15. that's how it
0: is in the you know in the summer when we do these Truth. on daylight savings time. This is a non daylight savings episode. You wouldn't know it for as bright as it is in the <laughs> studio. I had to turn the lights up, not look, turn the lights down. Um, it's Sunday afternoon. Uh, I am. Hopefully, Lord willing, I will be in Asheville, North Carolina this time tomorrow. Uh, There is some debate um, uh, because 2,000 flights were canceled today. Um, Several thousand were canceled yesterday. Several thousand were canceled the the day before. Uh, The combination of holiday, weather, and Omicron – still the bad hand uh, (laughs) – and Omicron are making (laughs) – It's my strong hand. (laughs) I just don't – I'm trying not to like – I burned my, okay, background, I burned my hand cooking yesterday, um, and I keep, it's my right hand, and so I keep trying to do piece to camera, and no one needs to see my terrible burned hand, turning into Dumbledore in book seven, right, where he's got the, book six, Mm -hmm. where he's got the withered, I guess he doesn't live to book seven, spoilers for Harry Potter, Uh, I'm turning, this is, this is my. If you
1: haven't read it by now, oh well. If you
0: haven't read it by now, you know, spoilers for a 20 year old book, um. Anyway, so I'm hoping to be in North Carolina. I guess they will be in North Carolina tomorrow one way or another. I have just mentally committed that I'm driving. I'm just in my head. This flight doesn't exist, and I'm just driving. So that one, when my father says, oh, I think the flights have been canceled, I would say, "Uh, I'll see you in 14 hours. Here we go. It's a race. And and it's
1: okay, because so far his... uh uh, near-death experiences have been food-related. So all as long been as as it's not He's not cooking, do so with he's that, I'm not he's okay. cooking,
0: right? I'm not trying to obtain heavy cream or cooking beef wellington. That's been, you know... <laughs> you would think I don't know what I'm, how I'm living. Anyways, this is Scripture Talk. We're going to talk about Scripture. Uh, amongst tr- other things. Amongst yeah. other things. It uh, turns out church is happening ne- this week and next week. Um, and so we are going to be looking at next week's Scripture, uh, which is... Uh, uh, One where we're going to, we've been really zoomed in on kind of the micro of Jesus' birth, uh, which is important, right? Matthew and Luke writing early, er, um, write the kind of micro. This is how it happened. These are the important players. This is how Jesus is the son of David. John, writing last, Mm. does not have to do that. And doesn't. John instead writes like some truly... Yeah, like snaps for John, man. Like this is this is some like hippie. Yeah. Like yeah. we're gonna think like let's not even think about the birth. What does the birth mean? Like, uh, what is birth? Deep. But like he's always been here. Like that's what's happening, right? It's like
1: most definitely the most philosophical of the gospels, and so if you like the deep thinking and you haven't ever read John. Go ahead and dive
0: in. Yeah, dive in. Here we go. Yeah. the most deep part of John, and John dives straight into it. In the beginning was the Word. I think, I think the last time we preached on this, I did that voice for at least part of it. But, like, you could do this entire thing as, as Dylan, my character from VBS. This is John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning, and all things came into being through him. And without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life. And the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify true light, to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, or the will of the flesh, or the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of a father's only son, full of grace and truth, John testified to him and cried out, This was he whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who made him known. I say, like, this is... um." This is an incredibly important piece of scripture to think about who Christ is. This is the big picture, right? This is interested in a much broader, this introduces a much broader idea of who, of who Christ is and what it means to be Christ, what it means for Christ to be God among us, right? If Luke and Matthew both want you to know an important fact that Jesus Christ is God among us. This is, what does it mean for this to be God among us? This is, this is the one who was there at the beginning. This is the living word of God. This is the son of God. This is son of God who was God himself. This plays into a lot of, anytime we're talking about the idea of the Trinity, we're talking about this scripture. Like this piece of scripture forms a lot of the foundation of what we believe to be true as Christians. And it introduces this super big picture of who Christ is,
1: you know, um, The the only uh, biblical Greek class I've had so far, Uh, we spent a lot of time on this passage. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Uh, The the importance of the ha-logos. And, uh, you know, it's it's hitting exactly what you're saying. It's tying the eternalness of God that Jesus isn't just from God. Right. Jesus is Is God. God. We mean the creator. Right. Nothing exists through him. This is literally what he's saying. And then all of that was set aside and became flesh. And when we talk about Jesus, we talk about the representation, but no, the literal example of who God is. This is the word of God, which played into what we talked about today with, you know, Jesus there speaking about scripture to the scribes Uh and how Uh he threw him away because this, well, yeah, he has some deep insight, even though he was fully man, his connection To the word of God is very different because, as John says here, he He is is the word, right? Yeah, he is the word of God. And so it's so important that we're seeing this aspect of he is God, because this is one of those that some different translations will hold off on whole different uh, sex by changing it to a God or things of that. No, it's very specific. And that's part of the reason that we looked at how the Greek language breaks down here uh, in that passage that of what it's meaning is exactly what it says, whether there's definitive article or not, the context of how it's written is saying he is God this is why it was such a big deal uh when Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees when some people say well he never really claimed to be God and he told them before Abraham was I am Uh and they ripped their clothes because there was no no misunderstanding of who Jesus claimed to be
0: well and this is and that's so the I am statements is something that John brings to the fore, mm-hmm. right? Um, all the times Jesus says "I am," which is a, a a nod to the Tetragrammaton, to the to the name of God, to um, the name of God. That's very confusing in English. It's actually very confusing in all languages. I think yeah. that's I think that's the point, right? Um, but it is this nod to Jesus. What I and this is what, again John's writing last, and so yeah. John gets to look at. Um, and gets to play he's one of the earliest Bible critics I think about right yeah so like John is looking at okay here's what the gospels have said so far and they all they all do important things right um and they all set up important aspects of Jesus and they all make nod to Jesus divinity and I think what John then sets out to do is this I'm gonna make this is I'm gonna make this more explicit I think this is a part of my read often on John um, is a he wants to make sure that you know he is not John the Baptist but likes him, um,
1: but he is the beloved, the he one is loved by Jesus. He
0: wants you to know that through the entire book. He's he, he's beloved and the fastest. Yes. yes, right. Anytime you talk about John, you got to talk about that. He mentions that he beat Peter in the foot race and then waited for him um, just to rub salt in his wound. Um, but that John to me one of the things he is very interested in is getting this part right. It's not necessarily corrective. It is more, he knows what's been written. He now knows what we need to emphasize more. Yeah,
1: um, so you definitely, especially with Mark, but Matthew and Luke, it's this this sense of, we need to make sure the story's down. Right. Uh-huh. We have this. Where John has had some time to look at it, and it's almost like what we were talking about, the, the Talmud and the Midrash. You, yeah. You've got this okay, well, let me do a little more explanation and go a little bit deeper than just telling the events that happened, but really going into the what's going on in the midst of these events. This is my big sheet tablet and number two pencil model where you draw me a picture <laughs> yeah.
0: so you can explain it to me in full detail
1: what you're talking
0: about. Well, and John is writing for a very different audience than the other three. He's writing to the Greeks, He's right? writing to very philosophical Greeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He is writing, um, he there. it is not just John by personality, we, we, but this is, the audience is, this is a much more Greek audience, this is a much more Greek philosophical audience, mm-hmm. and so Mark is writing for the Christian community, seems to be writing for the early Christian community, here are the key events of Jesus' life. Yeah you know, Matthew writing for an embattled community of at least somewhat Jewish Christians um, to say, you know, here's, here's, here's what we need to do, here's who we need to be um, in the face of what we're going through. Um, Luke is kind of writing the, the two-part epic, the two-part Greek biography of Christ and the early church writing presumably for the Pauline church, which is somewhat Jewish Christian, somewhat Greek Christian, but Luke is coming out of the Paul school. And then you have this whole other school of thought floating out here, um, the John school that is much more interested in reaching a Greek philosophical audience. And so for a Greek philosophical audience, This is why you've got a – this is part of why you open with this frame. You open with a thesis statement. You don't open with a a Jewish genealogy.
1: And and, um, I'm planning on getting more into it as I'm prepping the sermon. But there's there's also an understanding of the logos that already existed in the Greek philosophy that's being played on here. Why it's specific that he's saying ka logos.
0: Yeah, and so there is this like – so a lot of you know Platonism – very big – Platonism. Very big. Yeah. Um, And Platonism, very big in Greek philosophy at the time where this is happening. And so you have this whole idea that in Platonic philosophy, you have this idea of the ideal Mm -hmm. um, and that everything is an earthly, lesser earthly representation of the ideal concept. So um, here is cup, right? This is, uh, there is some sort of platonic ideal of a cup that this doesn't quite reach. Um, and so when you start to get kind of spiritual about Platonism, you start to understand that like there is the, the ideal being, Mm -hmm. um, and that we as all beings are like a lesser manifestation of this. And so part of what John is doing is going that ideal being, that ideal Mm -hmm. manifestation of beingness Mm -hmm. is right here. Yeah. Mm Yeah.
1: I mean, so you think of something that's an ideal, something that's perfection, uh, especially in a philosophical sense, Yes, it's up there where it can't be touched. Right. We can't reach that. And so the reality of it is, is God says, you're right, you can't. But guess what? But guess what? I can Uh, reach reach you. you. Yes, And that's what the incarnation is, the word becoming flesh so that we can access. And right, touch. and
0: it and it is, and it's not a lesser, f- and part of what John is, yeah, is drawing out is it. it's not a lesser form. It is fully God, right? Nothing came into being um without him, right? Like yeah, this is yeah. what was there at the beginning, took on flesh, this is the light, that ideal being, mm-hmm. that I that platonic ideal the of being. Giant, giant ideal, God's spirit, putting on flesh like a coat coming yeah. in to the world.
1: Which was also John's, you know, as there's that this crossover ministry, is John's answer to Gnosticism. Because yes. uh, the Gnostics believing that flesh was evil, therefore Jesus couldn't have been, uh, this whole fleshly thing. And that's what that whole thing that you hear Paul talking about, about, well, you know, it was a, not a bodily, because the flesh... But John's jumping right in there with Paul and going, "No, he became flesh. Right. Yeah. He became it flesh. was, it was real. It was not a pseudo whatever." No, yeah, thing. there's no.
0: So again, like mm-hmm. this is we we we've, we've we've played in these waters a lot because it is one of those hard things to wrap yourself head yeah. around that fully human, fully defined. right? Mm-hmm. Um, both, but but as we've said many times, um, as I alluded to in my sermon today, like you need both parts, yeah, right for. If it's just a simulation, then the crucifixion is just a simulation, right? The, the, this is the put-on-flesh part. The Where this is going, it is the ideal. This is God. This is the Platonic ideal of being, which is the, lang- the language that, obviously, God way-predates Platonism, but this right. is playing on a thing that Greek philosophy had really latched on to, and it influences a lot of how we talk about God. It doesn't influence who God is. God is, right? Not God is Baptist. There's... A-
1: just there's a difference
0: God is to why I'm is we except, love y'all though I'm sure yeah, they're yeah. lovely people their church name is one of the more confusing churches God is well just
1: their sign
0: Baptist church God because is in,
1: because inside it's just God is right but on their outside sign
0: it well, says and, God and is and they're out in the newspaper Baptist. it needs to be God yes. is comma Baptist church and if you add that comma or an ellipsis I would be uh, or a line break yeah. I'd be far better God is dot 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 Baptist church <laughs> it's, a, it's a beautiful concept so God just is um, but Platonism gives us. Platonism arrived at this idea of an ideal existing beyond this ideal perfect. Right? This is where it, like the idea of a platonic relationship. You ever wonder yeah. why we say it that way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not a romantic relationship. It could not be a platonic relationship. This is the like the ideal of a relationship where it can just be true um, uh, brotherhood without a, a sexual component. Right. Um, that's why we call it purely platonic by the way, fun fact. Um, but so that... And now you know. Now you know, the now. more you know, right? Um, but this is using a concept, a philosoph- philosophical concept that got aligned enough with who God is to give John a window, give John an ability to give the Gre- his Greek audience, largely Greek audience, a window in.
1: It, it hits that uh, important aspect of... You know, as you were saying of the- theology, I was thinking through my uh, systematics class, and as you were talking and describing it, I, I heard him saying, you know, that uh, you cannot redeem that which you are not, and right. only God could redeem. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it had to be 100% man hundred percent, God, yeah. God. Had to, yeah. and and that's what this verse is reminding us that when we think of God, this isn't the abstract Greek pantheistic right. view of gods who had no, no, no. full of flaws. No, 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 no. We're talking the one who created everything. Without him, nothing can be. Well, this is who. Yeah became this is pl- and, and this
0: is so this is plate this is again pulling this is plato's yeah. ideal yeah right because even the greek gods at this point in greek thought was not were not necessarily it's never clear how real they ever thought these people were yeah because it's, right it's, like it's, it's it's way squishier um but this is this is the perfect this is the real
1: yeah.
0: um this is the real made fully real um, this is the the truly real, the tr- the truly perfect, the true ideal taking on flesh. Um,
1: yeah, you know, I heard someone recently talking about you know it, the wording in scripture of you know above all other gods gives the implication that there were other gods. No, it's talking to the culture of the time, and there's a reason it says the one true God. Just because you say you're a Lamborghini standing in your uh, garage doesn't make you one. Just because something is considered a well, god in a group didn't make it one, and that's what they would talk to as they mm-hmm. were digging with these different cultures. Is no, we're talking about the one real god, like you said, the real ideal,
0: right? And, and so, this is so you get in these things of like who Pharaoh was right. a god, right? Yeah. Lowercase right. g, and, and, and they are lowercase g's, and so part of what's happening in Exodus. Is, capital G, God, mm-hmm. defeats a lower cat case G, God. Right. There are other gods, right? The emperor.
1: Things that are being worshipped. Yeah.
0: This I think this gets at, what do you define as a god, right? Yes. Because... For all intents and purposes, the emperor, Roman emperor, is a lowercase g-god. And one of the subtexts happening in the resurrection story isn't a is a, just like in Exodus and the defeat of a lowercase g-god Pharaoh. This is defeating the lowercase g-god emperor. Because both the emperor and the Pharaoh were worshipped as gods. There were temples to them. There were sacrifices made to them. They had, you know, yeah. this was, um, they were wannabe gods. Want to be gods, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you have the priests of Baal who are all over the place, oh, right? Yeah. Um, and 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 even what the Old Testament and the New Testament will say, like these lowercase g gods have a kind of power, right? Pharaoh and the Roman Emperor had the largest armies at that point ever assembled by humanity. Um, they could do things that most earthly people could couldn't do. They had sci- access to science that made that seemed to be uh, different enough from what normal people's experience as to look like magic. Mm-hmm. And the message of both of those stories is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, you're you're very powerful. It's adorable, it's adorable. You're very powerful. You're not as great as God.
1: So that's and, why John, <clears throat> excuse me, John wanted this Greek audience to know. And all the gods that they have in their culture cannot touch the real God of right. heaven and earth.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and he does it by framing it around this idea that was already starting to float up in their culture that there is even beyond the world of you know Zeus and Kronos and or yeah. you know uh-huh. Jupiter and Saturn, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera yeah. Right? There is this ideal floating out there behind it, and what John's going is like, what if you have just like, what if I can tell you I met that ideal? Like he was my friend. Well, right, dude. Yeah. And then this audience goes, "Well," and they were like, "Well." Anyways, yeah, like that. Uh-huh. Very much Pretty like. Pretty much, because I
1: mean, well, they would. They'd be sitting around in their togas and the big uh, circles because that's what they did. They got together to sit and think and discuss stuff. I mean, the whole Socratic method—questioning after yeah. and after—and listening to these debates or forums and just sit around and think. It's very much a thinking persons right. that he's hitting at and he's trying to take it from just the egg-headed thought process to the throughout his whole gospel of hey but then this becomes not just tangible in him as a person but tangible in what he did for us and what we're expected to then do with it mm-hmm. right
0: that there is i mean in the end John you know John's is a true gospel right yeah. it ends with um a you know us receiving the spirit it ends with ends with this kind of task set out for us it Mm -hmm. is it is just framed in such a way to amplify not what's necessarily missing in the other gospels but just what Mm -hmm. needs what needs further explanation especially for a greek audience for things that are that a uh Mixed Greek and Jewish audience, or in some cases, a tr- purely Jewish Christian audience, are just going to get, right? Yeah. We don't need to, a, a audience with a background in Judaism, the idea of God as the creator is, you don't need to be as explicit about that. You say, Mm-mm. this is God, and you go, oh, yeah, yeah, I read Genesis, cool, right? Yeah, exactly. We're good here, we're good here, Um, but uh, another thing I want to hit on real quick is that Moses was also respected as so Moses shows up in this and that's weird because this is in a Jewish audience why so Moses was actually getting some traction as a philosopher um, that one of the things if you read like uh, you read various like Jewish philosophers at the time was like pitching Moses as great philosopher um, and so that's why like Moses brought the law uh, then Jesus is even greater than this philosopher this Jewish philosopher you might have heard of. You've heard of
1: Moses? He has this thing for looking after little kids. (laughs) But uh, just Jesus is even better than him.
0: That's that line, you know. um, From the fullness we have received, grace upon grace, the law indeed was given through Moses, and grace and truth through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. This is the Platonic thing, right? It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father, who has made him known, that Jesus builds that bridge. Um, And this ends up, you know, this ends up a... Cascading and cascading um, into who we understand, who we know God to be, and making God known across a huge cultural divide. And that is probably as good a place as any. Uh, to bring uh, this uh, episode in for a landing. Um, Mm. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. Uh, Next week, we are back on our normal schedule. We will be doing a podcast 6 p.m. Monday the (laughs) 3rd. With a little bit, I mean, with a little bit of luck. Who knows? Listen. Although the, you know, the stream seemed relatively stable at the moment, so. I know. This, with,
1: this must be a good magic
0: time. All right, it was a magic time uh, that, you know, the, the internet tide has been in. Uh, we got a Christmas card from Zito. Uh, yeah, I hope I, you shredded it. No, no, I put it on Ken's station. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. I, I wanted to make sure he saw I it. I wanted to make sure that Ken, Ken did something with it, because uh, it was not still there when I got no, there. No, no, it, yeah. it is
0: gone now. Uh, yeah, Mary, I Merry Christmas. I didn't, weirdly, we didn't get one here. (laughs) I wonder why. (laughs) It's actually because the church is billing it. It's one account, but we're going to go with, I'm definitely not on their Christmas card list. Um, But yeah, we will be back to our normal um, schedule as of uh, next week. Um, So, uh, Monday the 3rd of January. Um, If you have any feedback for this show, you can post a comment here on Facebook, over on our YouTube channel, where it will be going up uh, very soon, up on our website, palestinegrace.com slash videos. You can email me, gracechurchpalestine at gmail.com. And tune in next Monday, 6 p.m., for another edition. Uh, But go in peace, to love and serve the Lord. Fear not. Stay well. God is with us. We go. Everybody dance. Next time we don't have theme music, I should just do that.
1: <laughs> no doubt. I did uh jokingly hum my own prelude out at Wesley today. Nice. Awesome.
0: into the um, wikipedia article for midrash Mm.
1: oh okay
0: well so i was diving this morning i was having to fact check myself of when did the tradition of the bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah start um and i had like i had some memory deep in the recesses of my skull that jesus would not have had a bar mitzvah Mm -mm. um and he wouldn't have because the tradition didn't exist yet
1: it was still kind of Hit more when they would start with the um, apprenticeship type stuff more serious, right? Kind of well. So in that there area. was some
0: concept of like you're a grown up now. You're of res- it, yeah, you're responsible of your own actions. But there wasn't the like the the actual concept of a bar mitzvah doesn't show up until the middle. We can only trace it for sure to the Middle Ages. Yeah. Um, which then led me on, um, uh, because it shows up in Talmud. Um, mm-hmm. and then I was like, okay, now I need to remember what is the difference between Talmud and Midrash. Anyways, it led a whole, it was a whole thing. Um.
1: Which, what is the difference?
0: So, uh, Talmud is a, there is a set, it is a set book of theology. Um, the Babylonian Talmud. Um, Midrash is, there's hundreds of them. Midrash is like exegesis on scripture. Right. Um. Like, if we were thinking in terms of things we could wrap our heads around, like, like, uh, Talmud is the way we treat Wesley's sermons mm-hmm. um, and writings is Talmud. Um, and then, like, you know, Adam Hamilton publishing a Bible study is Midrash. Mm. So there's lots of Midrash. There's only, there is the Talmud. Well, there are technically two. Uh, but there's essentially, this is Talmud. Um, and then Midrash is a much wider concept. Midrash is like a thing, right? Like Jesus is doing, in some ways, does Midrash. Because Midrash is also just like a uh, methodology for scriptural interpretation. Um, anyways, long answer, short question. Pretty cool. And Talmud is, in some ways, more important to rabbinic Judaism than the Hebrew Bible. In terms of like how that actually works out, so you wondered why do they do all these things that they don't show up in Scripture? It's in the Talmud, and that's where bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs show up in the Talmud. Mm -hmm. Bar for the boys, bat for the girls. And of course, there's an so, argument so over like who can do what, and like can girls read scripture? At the, because of course, Judaism has the same weird problems that we do, mm-hmm. um,
1: right? And and it like means like what son or daughter of the law or something like that. It basically kind means
0: of, one who is subject to the law. Yeah, um, it's which that is, understanding what, which is of what they understand. Which right, is what that is, time yeah. Time of, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because there's literally, as I, as I said this in the sermon, um, second service. I did not say this sermon, first service. There's literally a prayer in the bar mitzvah service where the father says, "Oh, thank God, I'm no longer responsible for your sins." Uh huh. <laughs> that the is age a, of accountability. That Damn. is literally a part of the uh, of the bar mitzvah service. Is the father say, uh, formally says, "Thank God, I'm no longer responsible for your your own your sins. That's on you now." Uh huh. Um, It's where you are now subject to the law for yourself.
1: (laughs) So they start playing... It's the dawn of the age of accountability. Yes. The age yes. Of accountability. I mean, it is absolutely what
0: a bar mitzvah bat mitzvah is. <laughs> um, and of course, in some circles, they both do it at thirteen. In some circles, they do boys at thirteen and girls at twelve. I got real into this, yeah. Uh, which was way more into my answer was no. Jesus did not have a bar mitzvah. I answered my question. No, Jesus did not have a bar mitzvah, and now I know why. Um, and then I kept going, and then I was like, "What's the difference between Talmud and?" Mid- brush um and so then i kept going anyways yeah and this is how it
1: starts when you go deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole
0: i did not start reading talmud um but if i had had more time i might have started just reading the talmud um about i would have started reading the talmuds about bar and bat mitzvahs myself i didn't go that far um also my uh my jerusalem aramaic is terrible Mm -hmm. right So that was my week. <laughs> <laughs> it's this Christmas week. What are you doing, Pastor tribe I'm really confused. Ask the difference between Talmud and Midrash. Is this relevant? Not technically. hmm